I have complicated feelings about that episode a little bit, actually. I I always love Star Trek, especially love uh, the original series campiness. But um, Mm -hmm. I've been watching a lot of Stargate recently. We've watched a lot of more modern Star Trek recently. Yeah, yeah. And like watching this, I was like, hmm. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to a subspace transmission. Woohoo, we're back. Yeah. It's been a little bit, uh, but hopefully folks got the warning uh, that we are going to talk about some Star Trek today. Woohoo. I love Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. And we ha- we've done some of these episodes uh, recently. I think last time uh, we did one of one on the DS9 episode, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today... Our plan is to talk about an original series episode uh, called All Our Yesterdays, Season 3, Episode 23. Have we done a real, honest-to-goodness, original Kirk and Spock yet? I don't think so. Wow. Talk about it. Maybe we talked about it as part of like movies or something. Definitely as part of movies. Definitely as part of like captaincies and away teams and all that sort of stuff. But we've never reviewed an actual episode of these two. Yeah. And I don't think we're, I don't know. I don't think we're really planning on doing a review. I guess. I don't know. Here's my review. Seven out of 10. Yeah. This was a pretty good original series episode. It's as good as it gets in season three anyway. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, famously troubled, I think, is how season three would be described, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, like... Fractious in really every direction. One of the biggest self-destructions slash outside forces moves in TV history, probably. Mm -hmm. Like the... uh, I mean, there, we could do a whole episode about the fracturing of this of the cast a little bit towards the end, the fracturing of the relationship between Gene Roddenberry and um, the studio, the fracturing I mean, of... The, there are entire books and movies, I think, made about these topics, right? Yeah. And so season three finds us with, what, two set pieces made out of paper mache and the outdoor brick wall? yeah something like that right I mean, right like the cave is is a set piece you could see the paper crumples yeah, uh, yeah you've got the jail cell and the street above it which is like one half set this the street above it is clearly like a studio back lot or something somewhere yeah, that they just is. borrowed uh-huh and you have the quote-unquote the library which is half a room right that's the set you know, and you one jury-rigged door and a bunch of drawers yeah, essentially. And other than five extras, we've got a third of the cast. Right. It like you don't hear you know, the only people as part of the actual like the only faces you see, right, 
are Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Yep. You hear uh, James doing Scotty. Like they had to call him and have him phone in a line <laughs> or two. <laughs> it's almost uh, the same line every time. We're going to beam you up. No, not yet. We've got to go now, Captain. Yeah, and nothing else really. Uh, no, no one else. Uh, no Uhura, no Sulu, no Chekhov, no one. <laughs> no one. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, it shows. it's clear that, yeah, it shows, right? It, it's it's obvious that stuff is missing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, uh, for all of that, you know, for the episode on its own merits, they tried to do, it, it was a somewhat interesting plot and thing with the characters they had, right? Or I thought it was anyway. I think that it represents to me, yes, uh, some of the better aspects of the original series for sure. Uh, finally getting to see Spock and McCoy's real relationship uh, blossom in front of everyone. That, like, mm-hmm. not, much, not much later than this, the show ends and it's another um, 10 years-ish before they're back on screen together, right? And uh, was it that long between this and then those movies? Uh, I guess it was right. Seven was the movies, and this so it's like eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Okay. So it's a decent amount of time. You're right. Yeah, because I think is it like seventy? No. Se- so it might have been seventy eight that the movie came out because seventy seven is Star Wars, and then they were like, oh, we should scrap our plans to bring these people back to the small screen and just make movies with them. So it might be seventy eight. The original pic- the motion picture comes out. Okay, I knew it was the seventies. I just didn't. I don't know if it was early or late. I just not paying attention here. Yeah, I guess the like later Star Trek movies were definitely from the eighties, though. So that oh, was, absolutely, that all of them sense. are because between motion picture, which is seventy eight or seventy nine, then you have a big gap before um, Wrath of Khan. I mean, they got into production on Wrath of Khan kind of right away, but it's like three years maybe. It's definitely yeah. into the eighties that Wrath of Khan comes out. Because yeah. the uniforms are so much better. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's better from movie one to mo- movie every other movie. <laughs> movie one might. I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll anyway. do movies another time. Um, I, we could talk about the plot for another minute. Um, sure. I, oh, I just think the overarching this... about the plot and then go through it, I guess. Yeah. I, I think this is... Uh, it, it was interesting to me because... Well, a like this this episode has some stuff I think that was not done before this, or at least not to my knowledge. I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the original series episodes. Um. So, but the this is, this is a time travel episode, right? Um, kind of, yeah. I mean, you know, they go back in time. Yeah. Uh, not in the way that modern star trek tends to do time travel episodes more in more in the guardian of forever since yes yeah yeah that's a that's a much better comparison for sure um and i thought it was an interesting look at the you know these the three original series characters that we have and the way that they were able to structure like a interesting little set piece around this very small you know set of conflicts uh, and then you you really got to see like the character of these characters in this small little runtime because there was nothing they had to do something with the characters because it's all they had they didn't have anything else yeah. you know they couldn't do big action scenes because those are expensive 
like you know the Kirk gets into a sword fight for about ten seconds, <laughs> and then they had to get that guy off the set because they don't want to pay the other actor, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a good time. I uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I think, and it, you know, we'll start talking about it. I think as we start, you know, comparing and contrasting here. But sure, I think know, I agree plot- with you about I enjoy it for what it is. I feel. It it related to itself, even related to the first two seasons of this show. It is light. It is very light in terms mm. of what it provides and how much ambition it has and how much interplay. I mean, if you're talking about character studies, even one of the ones we talked about when we talked about the Guardian of Forever, <clears throat> and going back to the one where they go back to like 1960 or whatever, or 19 what was it? The Depression. Um, yeah. That has as much character study in it, kind of, as this does. But this has different motivations. It It's weird to think what it could have been if it was early in that show, or what it would be if this episode was in Next Generation, right? Yeah. The pace of this... It's the pace, so different. Yeah, the pace of this would be entirely different if it was a Next Generation episode. And they'd be talking about more than just the the cool interaction between Spock and McCoy and his, you know, previous Vulcan nature versus mm-hmm. in next generation, they, you'd have these interplays between the characters that were stuck and trying to get along together. And you'd also have people trying to rescue them on the ship and Jordy and right. you know, like working I, I on a solution. And then you'd the have angle that's totally missing here, right? There is sure. no people on the ship trying to rescue them, trying to well, come up with a solution. That stuff is just absent. And you'd also have Deanna Troy and, somebody probably Picard or whoever negotiate like uh morally negotiating amongst themselves, whether they had the, the moral obligation to save these people, you know, instead of letting them all go to the past and die and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. Or like, or like it, is it right for them to leave their crew, make crew members in the past? It already happened. They've been there, right? Like, <laughs> you know, how, what's the direction there? And then, you know, like to argue, you know, with, Mr. Atos himself about like is what they're doing right you know is any yeah. of this there'd be and that's kind of was saying like uh you can tell the age of it because it's it's much more concerned with getting through its plot and doing the interesting character study that they had planned and that's it they don't yeah they don't have the later series um hangups about trying to like make sure they think about the scenario from the Starfleet perspective, which is a little bit characteristic of Kirk. Anyway, Kirk needs to save his crew. That's all he's concerned about. And he's going to beat up Atos and Atos's replicas as much as he needs to. Right. And, and like the idea of Starfleet being a thing, isn't so much a thing here. Yeah. In this show anyway. Right. Like it's, yeah, they mentioned it at the top that like, we're on a, mission to explore or whatever, but kind of that's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> it must've been nice to watch these episodes, even the third season, right? It must've been like fantastic to watch this stuff live. I wonder, I don't know. Like th- this stuff is old enough that like, I think you weren't guaranteed. So this is something else I wanted to talk about. Actually, the, you know, it wasn't guaranteed that these episodes were being watched in color, no. right? Mm-mm. Color TVs were around. Certainly. And uh, this later season had them. This later season was on at 10 p.m. So good luck watching it. Yeah, right. Like who's you know that's that is not a 
highly coveted spot, at least in this time period. I don't know how it is these days. Oh, the death slot then too. Yeah. Like on a Friday at 10 PM is where shows go to die. Uh, but beyond that, you know, this is, uh, I don't know where you watched this episode. I watched it on Netflix, but the, these have been remastered. Yes. And I wonder, because I was not able to find the, like a comparison footage between the original. Mm-hmm. What did they, I assume they touched up stuff like the color because that's an easy thing and like, you know, correct the color to make it look correct on modern monitors. And oh, such, the one but... I watched was widescreen. Okay. So certainly that's, uh, that's changed. So mine was not, I did not see it in widescreen. I don't know. Uh, interesting. It, it, I assume it just makes the set look wider. <laughs> I think so. Let me uh, let me see. I can pull it up real quick. But go ahead. Uh, and uh, so, like, it, beyond that stuff, like you know, the I definitely noticed that like the models at the beginning of the ship flying through space, and you know, zooming away at the end, and some of the effects of the exploding star and the planet d- being destroyed at the end. Oh, interesting. It's four by three in what I'm looking at now. I wonder if my TV okay. just moved it to widescreen. Oh, maybe your TV did the little my zoom. TV. My TV might have auto zoomed it. It's definitely four by three on Netflix, though. Okay, yes, I know it was because I watched it on Netflix. And I remember it being four by three. But that definitely I, that's higher res than it would have been for sure. Yeah, it looks it looked pretty nice even on my you know 1440p monitor here. I watched um, it on a 4K TV that. and I could see pixelation on no well (laughs) i could definitely see as much as the film allowed me to see but there was also some slight pixelation in the like coats and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so i mean i could see you could see film grain pretty easily right like i mean like actual like compression artifacting okay so i like hard to know if that's because of streaming or because of just the source quality Mm -hmm. yeah but it's a, I I was curious to know what what ha, what would have been touched up here as part of this, uh, thing, because I, I what like that scene at the end, right? Like the the star explodes and the planet kind of is destroyed and the ship goes to warp. Yeah. Looked pretty smooth, in a way that I didn't like. It didn't look like practical effects to me, right? Okay. So I I wondered how that looked originally. I wondered if you had seen it, but I was not I was not able to find a source for the uh, I'm sure it looked fine. I mean, you know, the lower res the monitor, the better it looks. I guess that's true, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I uh Yeah, I I think I don't really have much else to say about like the actual content of the episode. Yeah, Other than so to like it, analyze the stuff around it, kind of, which is I think more interesting. I mean, so they go to the they go to the planet of uh, Sarpe, Sarpedon. What Sarpe, Sarpedon? Yeah, I I didn't even write down the name. Yeah, um, which is this planet that they know is going to die to a supernova. I don't know why they go there when there's three hours left before the yeah. supernova. What are they going to do? Save fifty yeah. people? You know. Um. They know that they're all going to die. So they go for some reason and they meet Ataz, who is a play on words for A to Z because he's a librarian. Mm-hmm. 
and he says he needs to prepare them and they can go wherever they want to go. And it turns out he's got a machine called the Atavacron that sends people through time. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like it's easier to figure out space flight than time travel. So that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, seems like that should be a uh an easier problem to solve, but But it it seems like the Atavacron has been around a long time, so maybe they didn't develop it. Who knows? Maybe it's a piece yeah. of ancient technology or something. Yeah. Uh the, yeah. So they discover that they've been sent through portals to the past where Scott Spock meets Zarabeth. Zarabeth. Yes. Uh, who says that Zarkon has sent her there as a prisoner forever, basically because she, her family tried to overthrow him. Uh, Kirk meets another library person. Uh, and that's about the extent of his plot after his rapier fight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the meat of the episode really shows up when Spock, and this is probably something to actually talk about when Spark, Spock starts to lose his composure. Right. Right. Um, and the slow play of like him falling in love maybe with Zarabeth mm-hmm. and McCoy recovering from his entire body being frostbitten into apparently <laughs> he like, you know, I don't know if you've ever had frostbite. I haven't, but I am told it is unbelievably painful. Like unfreezing a, a frostbitten part of your body is just like, if it does not like, you know, fall off, you know, like necrose and, and, and detach from your body. It is just unbelievably insanely painful. Yeah. Uh, so McCoy's a champ for taking all that, like a, a trooper and just, you know, passing out. I mean, the passing out part reasonable. <laughs> I believe that is also what happens when you get super cold and, you know, uh, the is it hypothermia. If yeah. you're hypothermic, you're cold. Yeah. And so that part makes sense. But the, not writhing in pain as you warm up part is just really impressive on his part. way to go McCoy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the development there is that, you know, Spock eventually starts to, you know, he reminds McCoy that they're stuck in the past. Zarabeth lies to them and says that she says no one can go back. You know, she doesn't right. explain that maybe they could, if they weren't changed like she was somehow. Right. Um, Spock sort of loses his mind uh and probably takes her to bed so that was going to be a discussion i think the it's certainly implied right it in the strictures of 1960s television they weren't going to be able to show more than what they did they were clothed and sitting on a bed holding each other in the the post-coital 1960s positions of sitting one sitting behind the other right yeah and they definitely can't, you know, they couldn't show them like laying down. They could barely show them kissing, <laughs> you know, she was so not it, allowed to apparently show her belly button for some reason. Oh, interesting. Is that why the thing was shaped with like a weird triangle there? Is yeah. That, like, which they've shown belly buttons thing? on this show before. Yep. I, I don't know. I don't know, dude. The, uh, but the, like the sort of the, I don't know what the, the social mores or whatever of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't have permitted them to show that. And certainly Spock, the character, had he not been under this mental influence of the past or whatever, uh, which also, by the way, is not something they ever talk about again <laughs> in yeah, time like, travel episodes. Oh, he went through time travel, and that means he's less evolved. 
somehow yeah, all of a sudden. Not, yeah, that's not really something that ever is brought up again. Uh-huh. Uh, but certainly Spock, the character, would never do these, you know, doesn't have feelings like that or wouldn't ever admit to them. Right, which McCoy catches on to because Spock says something about the past, right? And McCoy right. is like, oh, I'm a genius and frostbitten, but I understand. Yeah. It's the past that's affecting him because we've gone so far back. Right. And meanwhile, uh, what were McCoy's uh, <laughs> ancestors doing 5,000 years ago? Right, exactly. I bet it wasn't equally be, bad for him. <laughs> wouldn't he be like trying to bash rocks together to make fire at this point? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So uh, there's a little, uh, I don't know how, the, I don't know what that is, but it's a little something weird going on there. Yeah. Um, but also, I think the, this is an interesting uh, jumping off point for a lot of, uh, what's the, fandom discussions around Apo- Spock. Apocrypha. Yeah. Because this this episode is the source of a lot of places that people want to have like have Spock uh, to do fan uh fan stories and fan created, you know, uh texts and things like that. Things uh-huh. like that of Spock's children. Spock's children have two books. Two real books that are not considered canon. As a part from this season, they're called, what are they called? They're called children of yesterday. Let me see. Hold on. I had it written down and I, now I forgot. That sounds like something that I would believe. Um, whoops. I'm making weird noises with my computer because, uh, well, that doesn't help. Where did I put it? Okay. Well, anyway, there's two books. Uh, they're they were written in the 70s, I think. And that makes sense. One of them. One of them is about here. It is yesterday's son, which is he has a son with Zarabeth, and the son, yes. the son's name is Zar, and Zar is sent to the future by the Guardian of Forever. Because he doesn't belong in the past. Oh, okay. Yes, I see. I found them now. And yeah, the and other then one is Time, Time for Yesterday for is yesterday. the sequel. Yeah. So, uh, if you're listening, modern Star Trek writers, you have a really cool opportunity to bring back some apocrypha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, both of those books star Zar, the son of Spock and Zarabeth. Uh. It is also a place where a lot of slash fiction writers uh, gum, come to find uh, things for Spock and McCoy's uh, relationship. I see. Okay. So, don't know if you knew that or not. I, I did not know that. But I don't I know that I needed. I didn't. Because I didn't know I that I needed it, to. And know so it. now you know it, and now uh, everyone else knows it too. Bummer. Hey, man. <laughs> it, not a bummer. People are into stuff that they're into. Good on them. Okay. Uh, it, it is a, but the point is, is because this re- this episode really has nothing else except character moments. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of it, right? And so it's a logical jumping off point. And the fact that this is a place where Spock is freed from his emotional uh, sort of drain, you know, that he can't ever, you know, produce emotions, and he can't really ever do. Uh, it, he always has his logicalness, right? Right. So there's a lot of interesting uh, fan works out there that play on that stuff because of this time frame. 
which I thought was very interesting. And I had certainly learned uh, more than I knew before I watched this episode. <laughs> I, uh, I looked into those books because I was mm-hmm. somewhat interested to see if they were still canon and they're not. Because uh, yeah, no, otherwise, I would actually probably have picked them up and read them. Uh, just yeah, to see, no, they're, they're super not. <laughs> uh, I it is it is worth examining a little bit though. The I think what well, we didn't okay. really finish. I, I wanted to oh, finish sorry, by yeah, talking we'll, we'll about get to, the, um, get to the end. Well, I just happens. wanted to talk about what Bones does here a little bit because it took me aback actually for a second. Mm-hmm. Um. I didn't remember this episode very well. And so when McCoy started yelling at Spock, I thought that maybe he was going crazy too. Mm. And he finishes the speech and Spock starts to strangle him. And then you realize what McCoy was doing the whole time was uh, goading Spock into realizing he's lost control of his emotions. Yeah. Um, But Bones says, Bones says this, which I don't think I would have used as a like Spock, you're losing your mind kind of thing right? He says, she's a woman, Spock. She's condemned to a life of loneliness. She'd do anything to keep you here. Yeah. You get a little bit of this, like, uh, and you see it in other places, just sort of like the way things are shot, sort of the way Zarabeth is framed in the film, the clothes she's wearing, this sort of like paternalistic kind of bent where it's, I, I don't know if it's the intent of the screenwriters to just sort of be like, this woman is crazy. Temptress. This temptress. This, this this seductress is here to tempt our pure male characters to yes. do horrible things like eat meat and <laughs> sleep with her. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's not that bad. You can, I mean, you know, say what you, Spock is a uh, vegetarian, I guess, and that's fine. But like, it's not like Spock should condemn himself for eating flesh, you know, like I, that was, you know, you kind of see some of those, like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the right word is that I'm trying to convey, but it's a little, it's certainly jarring to modern sensibilities where you'd be like, yeah, I, I okay, would definitely he have had understood a, he what had he had a was meal. Doing. Well, yeah, I, I understood what he was doing, but like, uh, man, the words used to get there, it's just, it's like, wow. oh, and like, especially when, you know, earlier in the episode, you know, it's like, McCoy, you were hitting on her. It's not like, you know, the episode earlier when he is first, you know, coming around and he and Zarabeth and Spock were sitting around like McCoy was drinking soup or something. Yeah. It, McCoy was like, oh, well, you'll notice, like, I'm much nicer to be around than him. Ha ha. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, bro, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, do you think you are, are so much better than him? Man, do you instance, know, or? do you know if you fully recovered from frostbite everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, great question, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it definitely seemed like he was be, you know, and being a little overly harsh to Spock, right? And like, I wouldn't have used <laughs> these phrases, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Kirk gets back and fights like Kirk does, and then they eventually yep. save everyone and warp out of there as Ataz runs to the past. Uh, right. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, it's fine. It's a good episode ish. The, you know, the story's all right, but like it, it doesn't, 
it doesn't hit the same as next gen would have in this instance or like i some of the stuff that you know you never you never get an explanation for what the atavacron really is and does they don't even try to make one up yeah I, that's certainly something the next generation would have at least made up some science magic about it with you know they use tachyons or something i don't know they would have said some sure. words i don't know that i need that as much as i needed I liked it. I liked watching it. It's it's indicative like of that's later another... Star Trek, um, and reminds you of better episodes, maybe. But it's still it's still good. But like the thing that Next Gen does, or even even Spock when he's his normal self and he lectures everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's right and what's wrong? What are the implications of this? These decisions? What? can we do what can't we do is all kind of missing from this. It's, it's a very simple story of like, Oh no, we're trapped. We must escape. Yep. And so, you know, the, even afterwards, right. When Spock comes back to his, his normal self, you don't get that moralizing lesson at the end. You know, it's like, this is what happens when you try to, you know, escape your fate into the past or something like that. None, none of that. They're just like, well, well done chums. Thanks for saving us there. Captain. Mm-hmm. Spot Scotty, let's go, and that's yeah. the end of the episode. Leonard McCoy, I think, is the standout of the three. Definitely, I wonder. It, you know, and we talked about some of the uh, fractured relationships as part of this season of this show. I wonder was this a Spock's attempt to get his character some like on screen, you know, more on screen time, right? Because this was this really is a Spock episode. Kirk is in it, yeah, and he's off kind of doing his own thing. But this, Kirk, this episode is more about Spock than I will Kirk sum up sure. the Kirk plot. Kirk has a sword fight. Kirk gets thrown in jail. Kirk escapes jail. Kirk rescues his friends. Mm-hmm. Nothing outside of what I said happens. It took about as much time as it took me to say it as it took for it to happen on screen. You had to argue about witches for a little bit in between there, but that's really oh, it. That creepy <laughs> literally Irish nothing woman. else. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna clip that creepy Irish woman out and start sending it to people. It was uh, well acted. Yeah. Uh, in the yeah. creepiness for sure. Um, I, did you watch Stargate? Uh, SG One, the TV yeah. show. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's an uh, episode in there. Let me try and remember what it's called. Uh, what's it called? Vorash is the planet. Exodus? No, that's not it. Uh, there's an episode in there called... I can't remember what it's called. Uh, where they accidentally create a supernova. Uh, or they accidentally, like... They send the... They ignore some rules about how to send the the Stargate wormhole to places and they end up sending it through a star accidentally, which doesn't okay. hurt anybody except that it drags heavy matter into the star and creates like a chain reaction that's going to eventually set the sun to like supernova and kill everybody or something like that. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember the exact plot off the top of my head. But the reason that the episode sticks out in my head, I still remember it to this day, um, is that it's a whole episode about 
like what is the moral obligation that these people have to help the people on the planet that is going to die. Right, right. Right. That would have been the stuff we would have learned about if this was a next generation episode. Right. Right. And so like, yeah, I mean, they did break the rules on getting there, but like you could just chalk it up to, well, sorry, uh, we can help you escape through the Stargate, but like your planet's dead. And then they instead, you know, they deal with the politics of the planet and the politics of the planet is that some people are like these fundamentalist religion people and they, they, Oh, it's Thor's will or Freyr's will or whoever they worship. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and that means that we're all going to die. And some of them are like, no, these strangers from the stars must've been sent to us by our God to help us. And like the, the infighting that happens there and, and the fundamentalists blow up the, the rocket that they bring through to, to try and save the sun by sending another super heavy element into the sun and kill, end up killing some of the Stargate team. Right. And mm-hmm. like, how do you react to that? You know, like the commander wants to, to shoot the people that shot his people and all that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very, Start- in an hour, which is about the same amount of, of time that this ran mm-hmm. uh, 10 mm-hmm. times the amount of, moral obligation and self-search and plot and all that sort of stuff happens. It, you know, it's also, so SG one came out in a very different era of TV as well. Right. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. Nineties yeah. show. Yeah. That probably was a, early 2000s. 2000 at that point. Yeah. Okay. So we'll say early two thousands even. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't, the thing that I think struck me watching this, cause I haven't watched an original series episode in quite a long time. And I think anyone who went back and watched this is likely to have felt it if they've watched a lot of modern TV. Also, there are just times where there is just a shot and they just sit there. Oh, and the, you get and and that's all the, that that's the shot. The shot is these three people standing here looking at each other. That's the shot. There is or there's di- <laughs> dialogue or the, the camera is panning, but it's panning at like you know, three degrees a second or whatever, very slowly across the scene as our people walk by. That's the shot. And yeah. in modern TV, and, uh, you know, modern, I don't know, that's a weird word to use, but I would say, like, at, even by, you know, the 90s, this stuff wasn't happening anymore. They just, these shots just get cut, and you just see the characters show up at the next scene where there's dialogue. They don't have the interstitial walking down the hallway or searching the library by opening drawers or the scene where they're they stumble out into the cold and like walk down a corridor. They like don't have those scenes. They just move to when the next piece of action is going to be or the next dialogue or whatever. The, uh, one of the artifacts of old filmmaking that made me laugh out loud while I was watching it. And I had to check my kids cameras, make sure I didn't wake them up (laughs) (laughs) was, uh, Kirk was talking to the prosecutor or the, the defense attorney or whatever it was in his cell that had yeah, been that through the library magistrate. Or whatever yeah. yeah. And he says, I don't know. I was in the library and the music cues and it cuts to a different <laughs> shot where the guy's eyes go wide and he looks oh, right like, at the camera. Totally bug eyed. You just hear the like, dun, dun. <laughs> and then, and then the part that made me laugh, so even, the part that made me laugh even harder than that, it cuts back to the, the previous shot as if nothing had happened. And yeah, Kirk's, yeah. The guy, the guy's face isn't like that anymore. <laughs> He's just back to normal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's like, don't worry. Uh, 
uh, Shatner just, uh, you know, we'll cut in the reaction shot later. So just keep going. And so then he's like, oh, you know, the library. And it's the guy's face right. is gone completely back to normal. And that reaction would have happened in scene nowadays, right? It would have been forced to happen in scene with like the secondary camera or something like that. It's just, it's so good. It's so good in that, in that moment. Um, uh, yeah, it's just, it, this episode is a, just a stark reminder of how changed TV is versus what it was in, in the late sixties. Yeah. Not, it, not, not saying that not that's just, a good or bad thing. I'm just, it's a, it's it is a contrast. It is something, yeah, it's something you have to understand and get used to when watching old TV and old movies. I, I don't know it. this, I, when I was younger, I used to watch the James Bond movies somewhat frequently. Sure. Uh, just because they would f- frequently be on TV all the time and I had nothing to do. So I'd sit around and watch TV and there you go. And the old James Bond movies are this way too. If you go back and watch like Goldfinger, all of it, you know, or Dr. No mm. from Russia with Love, there are just times where the scene is James Bond walking from his well, bedroom. Well, come on, that's to- not fair. Or That's whatever. not like, fair. You've got to you've got to admit though that it's Sean Connery in half of this, and the the point of of that is to let him swagger on screen on screen course, for every shot, course. right? Like, well, just like the half of the points uh, of those scenes with Kirk is for Kirk to swagger. He's got to right? swagger. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's his thing. Yeah. I'm just saying it's part of the filmmaking of the era. Absolutely, you, just have, be, you yeah. just have to get used to it, and it's it is very interesting, you know, as a modern viewer coming back and watching this stuff and being able to contrast the style and be like, Oh, you know, the thing that you get from this, right. Is you get a lot more character time. You get more in-depth discussions about what the exact moment is that's happening because they can't do anything else right now. It's funny because I, I watched all of star Trek in like 2015 to like 2017. I watched it all chronologically over time. Not like, an the original series, you mean? Or, I or started everything. with the original series, and I went from the original series to the animated series to the next generation to some of the movies to the next generation to the movies, and then I watched it all chronologically, all the way through. Um, cool. And when you watch it chronologically, chronologically by release order or chronologically in universe by release order at that point in okay. time. Uh, yeah. This was before Discovery existed, uh, uh, and before. It was after Enterprise had ended, but I watched Enterprise later because Enterprise kind of depends on you knowing about the universe. Yeah, it does. Especially when you get to the plot twist at the end. <laughs> um, so, you know, what is chronologically for Enterprise? Well, if you don't know who Riker is, then... Right, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of doesn't matter, right? Like... <laughs> If you watch man, Enterprise, and what a cop out ending to Enterprise! I dude. oh, mm. I'll fight you. Do you like this ending? I like the ending to Enterprise. I know that everyone's the mad ending, about it. The ending that says, "By the way, that show you watched was just a holodeck program. It maybe or did or didn't happen. LOL. Who cares?" I mean, it uh, it obviously happened. Like he's watching historical programs. It's not that it, like Enterprise never happened. It's just that what you have been watching was Riker going through a holodeck of the history, right? It's like, mm. it's like watching like a history yeah. program. How do you, how do you, mm. they go through history programs that are fake in, in TNG all the time though, right? Sure. Absolutely. And it's like completely made up. I don't, I don't get the feeling that like 
I, it didn't. I I know that even Scott Bakula it, said it felt like it cheapened the yeah the story. It did. I agree, uh, and I can understand it. I'm not. I'm not immune I, to people's feelings on the matter, but I, mean, I don't I think it's. It. I watched it at the time, right? Like, yeah. and I didn't feel this way at the time. Okay, but since I have gone back and rewatched Enterprise, I've only done it once since then, but it left a bad taste in my mouth. And maybe but, I would have feel differently now that I like kind of don't care anymore. Yeah, but I would. Uh, yeah, I I didn't like it the last it time I saw it. It didn't. To me, Enterprise leaves leaves you with like four or five feelings. One of them being it's been a long road. Uh, well, it definitely two, was a long road getting from there to here. Two, two is that Porthos is a good dog. And then mm. uh, beyond that, you can come away with whatever feelings you want. I like Scott Bakula as a captain. Most people didn't. Uh, some people liked I Paul. Liked, I didn't. I don't think I had a problem with Scott Bakula in particular. But, he wasn't like my favorite captain, but yeah, you know. But I think the Enterprise overall was just kind of like, where a lot of people started to lose interest in Star Trek um, for a little while yeah. because it, it didn't do a whole lot for people. And like, if you watch it in release order or if in chronological order, you're like, who are these Andorian people and why do they never show up again? Right. Yep. Uh, I don't, I don't know. And so when I think back on it, it's already like a holodeck program in my head because enterprise just existed i think the the thing that i well i don't know i don't want to get too far off base here i'm talking about enterprise but <laughs> the my i don't know if complaint is even the right word i think when they created that show they were trying to do a different thing and they were trying to do the different thing in a format like the old thing not realizing that society and TV sort of had moved past that format and it wasn't going to work no matter what they did. Yeah. They definitely were late to the party for sure. Yeah, and They, the, they took like Voyager the and tried to change it up a little bit and it didn't work. The, the serialization of TV had gotten too far. And I mean, even DS nine showed it to them earlier than this. Right. And when they, you know, they were trying to bring back the, you know, the syndicatable type TV show, yeah, absolutely. And it just wasn't it just wasn't going to work. And TV had progressed past that kind of story. And you know, they they eventually got on the horse near by the end of Enterprise and started putting <laughs> together plot lines that got together and stuff. And it did have like some through lines very slowly moving around, but yeah, I, I think it was just sort of a an ill-fated attempt despite their best efforts. And sure, the, I mean, the efforts were generally good. I don't think, you know, like I said it wasn't my favorite series, but it certainly wasn't, you know, not because they were actively sabotaging it or anything like that. Sure. But I mean, you've got two years later than this, you've got shows like lost on the air, you know? Yeah. Which are just like, you know, and lost is a, you know, speaking of serialization, right? A show that is literally about, did you see last week? Do you remember all these weird things? Here's the next thing. What are these mysteries, you know, and all this. And then, you know, has an equally, some would say disappointing ending. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it may be even more disappointing, I might yeah. argue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, you've got you've got a lot of TV that starts to crop up just after Enterprise begins and definitely midway through Enterprise's run that are just yeah. like, you know, one and a half years into it, I think you've got the Battlestar movie that comes out. 
and then that TV show comes out midway right. through Enterprise's run, and you're like, well, this is better than that. Yes, everyone agrees. And when did Firefly come out? It was after this, I think, but not long after Enterprise ended, I think. No, it's, it had to still be on during during Firefly. Did it? I mean, Firefly was only one season, so... I know, but Firefly changes everything about science fiction and what people want to watch. Hmm. Like the the I don't know. It, clearly it didn't though because it they didn't get any more seasons. Look at like every single sci-fi since then is some like somewhat related to a space western. I mean, I agree with you that the tastes changed, right? But I think they were underway as Firefly was starting and just continued that direction after Firefly the show for as much as is beloved now was not successful at the time. I think just like uh, the showrunners of the original series of Star Trek to bring us back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. I was looking Uh, for a while. They they did not understand the opportunity they had. And uh, it's one of those shows, especially in the early 2000s, that if people had pushed them and tried to keep them on the air and given them air and proper run times would have been very popular, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Based on how beloved that show still is, the fact that one season show. And yeah, I got a movie later, you know, but a one season show is the movie doesn't the movie doesn't count. It's officially uh, removed from canon, I think. Oh, really? They removed the the ending of their own story from canon. That's interesting. We'll have to talk to Ken about this because there were comics as as late as like 2015 from Firefly. And I'm sure I think some of them have like spoilers for Serenity uh, retconned Wash's death. I mean, you would want to because he was such a great character and well liked. I um, think maybe I don't know. Can yeah, can email text me? <laughs> yeah, sure. E- email the podcast, Ken. Don't text him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I. So anyway, back to uh, the original series. It is this is TV made for a different era and a different time, and you have to be aware of it while watching these, that's these why, episodes. That's why my mental my mental go-to was, I wonder what this was like to stay up till 10 p.m. and with your parents and be like, well, there's no VHS, you know? No, so yeah. It's like, yeah, because that, that wasn't around at this point. And even, even when they started, they syndicated this and ran it in reruns, and the reruns became must-see TV, right? This legendary three-season show called Star Trek is only mm-hmm. on on Tuesday nights at nine nine o'clock. Uh, well, if you and you know, the, and you know the the resyndications of it, they did cuts. Like yeah. syndic- syndication yeah, wasn't the same as the original airing. And like, yeah, in this, so there were. Uh, I looked it up on Memory Alpha because I'm <laughs> this, kind of, this kind of a person. But th- they're not. There weren't big cuts in this one for syndication. Okay. They didn't really miss anything. They missed a lot of those like kind of interstitial scenes and like sure. a part where they yeah. said like, but they didn't cut anything significant, uh, which is not true for other episodes. Other episodes, the syndication like got way mad at stuff and just like cut things that were shown and were controversial even uh, when they were shown the first time. Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny is uh, you mentioned the cuts and I, watching it even discovery you can see a little bit of the dun dun the break the dun 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 before the break mm-hmm. but like this this era of tv is so obvious when it comes to commercial break time yeah yeah you would be 
how would you not know right yeah it's pretty funny if like imagine my kids now watching this later being like what was that like why did they do that weird scene and fade out thing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because that's not a thing that's done right no Mm-mm. yeah i uh I gave it a solid seven because I think that like the part with Spock is good. Um, it may not make a lot of sense, especially because McCoy doesn't lose his bananas and start bashing right. and it's, rocks together. Uh, but yeah, it, but it does preface Spock's eventual very soon after this, actually movie stardom and his in the movies coming to terms with his emotions. Right. 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 Over, I, over and yeah. I don't know if this is the first time we see this kind of like emotional nature of Spock. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that it is. I feel like you get some there, or I don't know if those are like evil universe Spocks or something <laughs> earlier yeah. in this this series. But you definitely get some hints that like, hey, Vulcans aren't always these like cold, logical, moralistic pillars, right? Mm-hmm. And. It is way more interesting, I think, to see a character and their foibles than they are than it is for a character to be the one who moralizes to everyone. Right? Which is why eventually Paul gives you tons of insights into the Vulcan mindset and and lots and lots of that stuff backtracks from Vulcans are basically robots. Even right. even androids later, they like create data and data's like, I have no emotions. And then by like they- season by like season two and three, they're trying to like give him emotions and break him down. What does it mean? And, to, what does it mean to be a human? And yeah, like, exactly. Oh, existential because crises, just, and yeah, because it's not interesting to have a robot, right? It's only it's only interesting to have these things if you can then pick apart what it means. You know, yeah, you got to be able what, to tell stories with them, right? Yeah. And there's the well, the story of this is a robot is not interesting. I mean, compared it's, with the story well, of like what does a robot feel? That's remember, interesting. Remember we were talking about Arium in discovery and how yeah. her most interesting episode is all of a sudden when you find out that like, she's an Android or a, a cyborg because of her, the death of her husband and, and right. all these character memories. development. You're just like, you're just like, Oh my goodness. That's way more interesting than the weird costume they gave you. You know? Yes. Um, and it, it is more interesting than when you get to have, those discussions right it's part of why when i watched this this episode it was like it was kind of nice that they didn't have the whole crew there because you really could get these scenes with just the the few characters that were there and have them explore what they wanted to explore instead of then having to go okay we need to get a shot of jordy here and then we have to go back and ask data jordy has to ask data what he thinks that he gets in and then o'brien needs a line and you know i'm like yeah that kind of more ensemble mentality and like look i love tng episodes so i you know i'm making it sound like it's a bad thing here but the ensemble nature of that changes the way you tell a story and you don't get to have moments like this or much rarer those kinds of moments become right yeah it definitely feels like these are half hour things and then you get to 25 minutes you're like how much is left right (laughs) and like this one in particular right you're like oh they're they stumbled through this portal. All right, McCoy got frostbite. I'm sure he'll recover. Spock and him will go back out. We're all good. That's the whole show. The end, right? And you like look at the t- running time. You're like, it's been 25 minutes. McCoy is sitting up again. Uh, is this over now? <laughs> like, <laughs> What's the plan, no man? Cur- 
going to rescue Kirk from jail, and that's going to be the show. We yeah. got 20 more, 40 more minutes here. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. definitely reminded me of how far TV has come. So that's my takeaway from this one, for sure. I wonder, was, uh, was there any desire on Leonard Nimoy's part to have an episode where he got to have a love interest and Kirk didn't? Man. He almost did until that Irish woman opened her mouth. <laughs> she was game, I'm sure. She was she was all over him. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. no, 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 no. You got to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> also, I could... I feel like there was a part where Kirk... It, I don't know if it was acting or just he didn't understand the Irish brogue or whatever and <laughs> and was like... She said a bunch of stuff, and he just like looked and smiled. It was like, "Let's go to the next scene." <laughs> I, like to be to be fair, I didn't understand what she was saying either. I didn't understand um, half of what she said until she was just screaming "witch" at people. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I assume that was somewhat intentional. Oh yeah, I, I liked uh, how uh, not Earth they made the past. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know this island Earth. What is what is this? Very yeah. silly. Yeah, pretty silly. Um, yeah, I I think Island Earth is like a sci-fi reference. By the way, is it okay? I'm pretty. I I felt like it was a reference to something I should have known. But I'm pretty I sure it's like a a mo- a film. It's ringing a bell in my head of like uh, MST3K movie that maybe existed. Okay. That sounds like a thing that could be. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, have we picked the next thing we're doing? I don't think we have. Do we want to pick one live on air? Yes, we do. Let's do it. Let's work it out live in the air. I'm wondering if we want to do a movie or, Mm. or phaser rankings. Hmm. That's tough because both of those, the movie is like, well, I guess, I don't know. I was about to say the movie requires more time, but that might not be true at all. Uh, there's a lot of phasers out there, especially a if you lot go. lot of phasers. Unless, unless we disqualify disruptors and other, um, if you should say just Starfleet phasers. Jeez. Even if you do that, though, you're going to get so many just because the prop design has evolved so much. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I don't know. Those or, are both or none really of the great above. ideas. I don't know. I mean, okay. All right. We have to pick a movie and then we pick between that movie and phasers. Oh, okay. Hmm. Kelvin timeline first movie. So Star Trek. Star Trek reboot. reboot. Hmm. I haven't seen that one in a decent amount of time. Because it's one right. of the things we haven't touched, really. Like, we've touched yeah. TNG. We haven't talked about the Kelvin. We haven't talked all, about really. the Kelvin timeline at all. Hmm. It's people are screaming which answer they want while they listen to this live. <laughs> I know. I know. We're going to um, disappoint half of them. Yeah, there's no way to win, really. No, it's this fine. is what happens when you plan live on air. Yeah. Uh, I would watch the movie. You want to do that? Yeah. 
Kelvin Timeline Star Trek. That's our next episode for August. Okay. Hopefully Done. it's available to be streamed. <laughs> uh, it is currently on Netflix. Okay. I mean, as sure of we'll... July 9th, as 2021. <laughs> Watch it like, oh, this movie is leaving Netflix. Yeah. August 1st. It's like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll see you later this month. I have a copy I can lend you if needed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if I own one. If you own a blue, if you if you still own a Blu-ray player, <laughs> I don't. Mm, I have a PS3 somewhere. I could plug that in. There you go. There you All go. right. You well, have a PS4. PS4 reads Blu-rays. Does it? It's got okay. to. PS4 discs are Blu-rays. Are they? It don't it? Uh, PS4 won't read um, 4K Blu-rays. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, okay. But it'll Whatever. read a regular regular Blu-ray. I don't know. Anyway. Did, I didn't know those were different. I, I was curious when I looked it up. I was like... So I knew they were different. I just didn't know that it... Like, I assumed it was like a... They kept the name Blu-ray, but it wasn't like really the exact same technology anymore, and you just needed a new thing. Yeah, you need a different... It's it's still a, a Blu-ray, or something, it's, right? but it's a finer... It's a, I don't know. I don't know either. I think it's a different reading of the, of the disc technology, and I don't think the... The old ones can move the lasers the right way. Got it. Because uh, they, they're like ultra layered, I assume. Yeah, that makes some amount of sense. Because we're still using discs. It's the only way to own anything. It's true. Even then, you technically don't, right? Right. Yeah, that's... man. <laughs> hey. Well... We, we might be getting net ahead. neutrality back soon. So That sure would be nice. Sure would. Uh, well, if you want to tell us about why we made the wrong choice in picking this movie <laughs> and we should have done the thing about phasers, you can email us at podcast at wewerogamers.com and we will happily <laughs> do the phasers thing the next month. <laughs> if you if you have qualms, first of all, it's important to explore all things, including the Kelvin timeline, uh, and talk about them because there's interesting things that happen there and there's complaints to be made as well. Don't worry about it. What? But oh, yeah. if you if you're gonna if you're gonna tag us and say you should have done phasers, you better send your list of phasers because otherwise, yeah, I'm cl- I man, there's so much research to do on that one. I think I already know which one I like, but I have to look. Okay, yeah, I there's a lot. To, we're not gonna do the phaser thing now. I gotta stop I'm myself. I, I'm looking I'm at them already. I'm already like oh, trying yeah. to rank them. In my I like head. this no, one. We're stopping this. We're stopping oh, this. Yeah. No, that's no. a good one. It's Close that tab. Close that tab. Close that. George Joe has right. one of these. What? Awesome. Andrew, close yeah. that tab. What are you no. doing? Oh man, it's so different in the Kelvin timeline. It fits. All right. Uh, podcast uh, at wewergamers.com. Yeah, and you can follow this episode and other We Were Gamers episodes on your favorite podcasting app. Hopefully you have enjoyed listening to this and you want to listen to more. We got those broken out on YouTube. You can go find them on a handy playlist on there. If you search for We Were Gamers, all one word, you should find us pretty easily and subscribe. That'd be a big help. Section 31 phase rifle. That looks cool. But like, do disruptors count as phasers? I don't think so. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just going to choose the hip bl- like, the Klingon hip blaster. 
Yeah, as to say, the ones the Klingons and the Romulans have are way cooler than all the Starfleet ones. No, the Romulan ones suck. Okay, uh, we were gamers, part two. Yeah. <laughs>